Hello, everybody, uh, and kia ora. In today's session, uh, we will outline the new content uh, that have been added um, in the Austro's Guide to Road Design Part 4 series and the Design Vehicles and Training Path Templates Guide. Uh, we have more than 1,300 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all, and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a Senior Communications Officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with Albert Wong uh, from Main Roads Western Australia. Albert was the project manager for this project and he will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. I'd like to start by acknowledging the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. I also acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. Ostrots is based in Sydney, um, and so today I'm on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay respect to all this past, present and emerging, and their deep and ongoing connection to the land. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Road Safety and Design Program, which is managed by Michael Newstick bit of housekeeping. Um, the webinar today will run for about 60 minutes uh, and after the presentation uh, we will have some time to answer your questions. The slides and the report with the summary of the update can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar which you will find on the right hand side of your screen. To view the updated guides uh, scan the QR code that you can see on the screen or use the provided URL. We have also included all of the links um, in the welcome message. To send us your questions for the Q&A, use the question icon on your sidebar. If your question relates to any particular slide, um, include the number of that slide in your message to help us answer your question as best as we can. Also, let us know if you have any technical problems, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound uh, or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session via your email registration usually helps. Um, this session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can also find Austroads in your podcast app. Um, so it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today, uh, Malcolm Mark and Noel O'Callaghan. Malcolm is a senior technology leader at the Australian Road Research Board. He specializes in road design, road safety and traffic engineering um, with experience within state and local government. Noel O'Callaghan is a principal professional leader at the Australian Road Research Board. He specializes in uh, road design with extensive experience in uh, the South Australian Transport Department. So welcome to uh, you both and over to you, Malcolm. Thank you so much, Ekaterina, and uh, welcome to everyone uh, who's joining, joining us online today. Um, I'm going to start us off with a bit of an introduction for what to expect in today's webinar. Um, I'm going to run the first half of this webinar and then hand over to my co-presenter, Noel. So, this webinar is a, a, a four, the first of a four-part um, series. Um, 
about a project where we undertook updates to the Guide to Road Design Part 4 series um, and the Design Vehicles and Turning Template Guide. Um, this webinar today, the first one, we'll, we're going to be covering off on an overview of the project um, and at a high level, the updates that we have made to the Part 4 series um, and as well, the Design Vehicle and Turning Template Guide. Um, we're also going to be providing some of the uh, existing fundamentals of the Guide to Road Design as well. Um, webinar two uh, is going to provide uh, more, more of the details on the key updates that we've made to part four and 4A um, and how to use these new inclusions. And then webinar three will be a similar format but uh, based around the key updates to part 4B and 4C. And then finally webinar four will provide an overview of the updates uh, to the new edition of the design vehicle and training templates guide. So this webinar today is, yeah, as I said, it's going to provide the background to the updates that we've made um, and the changes to the part four series. Um, we'd expect our key audience today to be um, road designers, project managers and traffic management practitioners. So a little bit about the uh, project team that's undertaken this work. Um, we uh, were led by uh, Madeline Beckovac at ARB. Uh, that was Noel and I uh, as team members. Um, and we had Albert Wong uh, as our Austro's project manager. Um, we were supported by an Austro's project working group, which consisted of Albert, um, Richard Fanning uh, from the Department of Transport and Planning and Bernard Worthington from the Queensland Department of Transport and Main Roads. Um, I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank uh, the Osroads Road Design Task Force for their input, guidance and direction throughout the project. Um, Michael Newsteak, Osroads Road Safety and Design Program Manager, um, Albert, Bernard and Richard, um, and also uh, Jade Hogan from Transport New South Wales, Colin Bolden from Department for Infrastructure and Transport South Australia, Sam Hatsadal-Samis, um, Department of Infrastructure Planning, Logistics, NT, Stephen Hare, uh, Transport, Canberra and City Services Directorate, uh, Michael Hogan representing the local, local government uh, association and James Hughes from Waka Katahi from New Zealand. So um, a bit of an overview of the project that we've just undertaken. So um, this project came about uh, because the road transport industry is, is ever evolving. Um, and this means that guidelines for practitioners must be maintained uh, to include the latest research and also capture learnings, experiences and best practices from across Australia, New Zealand and also internationally. With this in mind, this project sought updates to the Guide to Road Design Part 4 series to ensure that intersection design guidance available to all road practitioners is based on best practice evidence to improve the safe, efficient and effective design of road infrastructure. The objective of this project was to provide contemporary intersection design guidance based on best practice evidence to improve road safety. Um, this project focused on a few, a few issues, including ensuring that the ongoing research con conducted by Osroads to advance the body of knowledge uh, of safe system and roadway form to provide safety and efficiency is transferred into the um, Guide to Road Design documents that practitioners use to, to implement. Um, also consolidating new approaches to intersection and crossing design developed by jurisdictions, which may not currently be addressed in the current um, guide. 
um, and thirdly, providing clear guidance and instruction to road practitioners in the correct use of um, the Part 4 series um, and how safe system principles are to be applied in the road design context. So we had, we had four key stages um, in our project. So we started off with uh, a literature review um, and what we what we did was we reviewed 14 Austro's research reports, which were uh, published recently. Um, and as well, we reviewed a series of um, key relevant jurisdictional supplements. Um, and the, these four formed the basis of uh, the updates to parts four, 4A, 4B and 4C that were published earlier this week. Um, next, we undertook a gap analysis uh, on the design vehicles and turning path templates guide. Um, and uh, saw where um, there were gaps in the existing guidance and where we could um, improve uh, the guidance provided. We then undertook workshops with the Road Design Task Force to resolve critical project issues um, and as well had working group consultations um, with key uh, stakeholders, industry stakeholders. And then lastly, um, updates were prepared and endorsed by the, road, uh, the Austro's Road Design Task Force um, and the Austro's Board. Um, and the updated documents were published uh, on the Austro's website earlier this week. So if you haven't seen them, um, uh, get onto the website and check them out. So <clears throat> the updates to the guide were initially uh, predominantly drawn from the 14 recent um, Austro's research reports, as well as workshops uh, with road design practitioners and stakeholders from state road agencies, local government uh, and industry, um, and, and consultation with work, working parties on, on um, lessons, uh, lessons gained and lessons learned um, from um, undertaking treatment, specific treatments in, in the jurisdictions. Um, jurisdictional supplements identified by the working group were also reviewed uh, for relevance with a view to consolidate national knowledge and application. Um, up on the screen here, uh, we've just highlighting some of the focus areas that um, were tasked to us um, as part of the project scope. Um, I won't touch on it too much because uh, we'll go into more detail um, later on, but just gives you an idea of some of the areas that we were focusing on for each part. Um, one of the key outcomes for this project was the delivery of updates to uh, the Guide to Road Design Part 4, 4A, 4B and 4C based on best practice evidence to improve road safety. Um, the key updates focused on pedestrian crossings over raised platforms, railway crossing design, rural channelised uh, intersection design, acceleration lane lengths uh, for heavy vehicles, um, compact roundabouts, um, the radial design of roundabouts, uh, bicycle lanes of roundabouts. Um, and geometry of in interchange ramps. Um, another key outcome for this project was uh, the, up the updates to the uh, design vehicle and turning templates guide. Uh, this document was updated to provide uh, additional guidance on design vehicles versus check vehicles, uh, the performance-based standard scheme, clearances to swept paths of turning vehicles, software parameters, um, and a new design vehicle template for a uh, short vehicle towing a trailer. A series of suggested improvements for future work on the Guide to Road Design and as well the Guide to Traffic Management um, were also uh, provided as part of this project. 
Um, what I'm going to do now is uh, run through some of the fundamentals of the Osroads Guide to Road Design for those who uh, may be unfamiliar with the guide and, and what it's there for. So the Guide to Road Design is a set of comprehensive Osroads guides developed to provide a primary national reference for the development of safe, economical and efficient road design solutions. The Osroads Guide to Road Design uh, seeks to capture the contemporary practice of member organisations in road design, provides designers with a framework that promotes efficiency in design and construction, economy, and both consistency and safety for road users. It also moves away from rigid design limits as the basis for achieving uh, these goals and promotes the concept of con context sensitive design. Um, and Finally, uh, the Guide to Road Design allows designers the flexibility to exercise their critical engineering judgment. The guide deals with the geometric elements of the road together with relevant drainage and roadside considerations. Documentation is presented in the form of a number of parts covering specific aspects of the design process. Um, with each part providing guidelines underpinned by commentaries and uh, resource materials. So uh, com comprised of 14 parts, um, yeah, practitioners are advised to visit the Osroads website to view the latest version of the Guide to Road Design. Um, I'm just going to give a bit of a quick overview on each part. So part one, uh, Objectives of Road Design, is an overview of road design that describes the scope of the Guide to Road Design series, uh, the context of the road design process, the documentation, quality management, um, philosophy, objectives on, and principles on which, uh, good, on which good road design is based uh, and the design considerations that might be required. Um, and this part is particularly useful to designers that are new to road design or are using uh, the guide to road design for the first time. Part two, uh, network-wide network design provides guidance on developing network-wide safety plans, including movement and place principles and to road managers, planners and designers to achieve improved safety outcomes with the application of consistent standards along a road corridor um, and this part is currently under development. Part 3, geometric design provides the detailed information necessary to enable designers to develop coordinated road alignments as well as adequate cross-sections, site distances and other features that allow safe operation of the design traffic at the required speed. And then when we lead into the part four series, which um, is what our project revolved around. So um, part four, a intersection and crossings general provides information that is common to the geometric design of all at grade intersections um, and needs to be used in conjunction with 4A, 4B and 4C. Part 4A, unsignalised and signalised intersections provides road practitioners with guidance on the detailed geometric design of all at grade intersections, excluding roundabouts. Um, part 4B, roundabouts, uh, provides guidance on the detailed geometric design of roundabouts. It covers design principles and procedures and provides guide, guidelines for practitioners to develop safe and efficient roundabout layouts. Part 4C, interchanges, provides road designers and other practitioners with guidance uh, on the geometric design of freeway and motorway interchanges. It covers design considerations uh, design process and forms of interchanges and provides uh, some uh, formation on structures. 
Um, part 4C uh, interchanges, uh, sorry, part 5 drainage, um, general and uh, hydrology considerations provides guidance on the elements that need to be considered in the design of a drainage system. Um, guidance is provided on uh, the safety aspects of stormwater flows, environmental considerations, and uh, water sensitive treatments within a drainage system. Part 5A drainage, um, road surface networks, basins and subsurface provides guidance on the design of the collection and discharge of water from road surfaces in pipe systems, basins and subsurface drains. And then 5B drainage um, contains uh, guidance on the design of open channels, culverts and floodways uh, to support the operation and management of the road network. This leads us into part six. Uh, part six is road des uh, roadside design safety and barriers. Provides an introduction into roadside design, in particular guidance on roadside safety and the selection and use of road safety barrier systems. Uh, part six, a uh, paths for walking and cycling, provides guidance for road designers and other practitioners on the design of safe uh, pedestrian and cyclist paths and focuses on uh, geometric design of paths and its related facilities. 6B uh, roadside environment describes and discusses design objectives, principles and considerations for a diverse range of uh, roadside functions, features and facilities relating to environmental aspects, roadside amenity and roadside infrastructure. And lastly, part seven um, is a part for new and emerging treatments, uh, provides information on emerging knowledge relating to innovating, innovative design solutions. Um, it's important that road designers understand the relationship between the Guide to Road Design um, and the other Osroads guides. In particular, the Guide to Traffic Management complements the Guide to Road Design series. The Guide to Traffic Management provides comprehensive guidance for practitioners on network operations planning, traffic flow theory and the allocation of road space. Um, it also provides guidance on the type of intersections to be designed and how traffic flows uh, throughout a network uh, safely and efficiently. The consideration and choice of appropriate treatments may be an iterative process between practitioners um, with geometric constraints often becoming the controlling parameters for the selection of traffic management treatments. Another guide that complements the guide to road design is uh, the guide to road safety. So road safety is a major strategic area for us roads. Um, the continuing reduction in road trauma is a key objective uh, of all OSROADS members. As such, the aim of the Guide to Road Safety is to provide the tools to assist organisations to fulfil this objective. One of the key aims in road design is to provide a safe design for all road users. I'm now going to hand over to uh, Noel to take us through the rest of the webinar. Hello everyone, I'm, and thanks Malcolm for that. Overview of the changes to the Guide to Road Design and the Turning Path Templates Guide. We'll just give an overview of that 
some of the subsequent webinars will go into more detail, but I'll give you a, an overview of what the changes are. So for part four, which is in sections and crossings, the general guide, um, some of the changes included these things. So speed management, for example, we described it previously as speed design for intersections, but now the emphasis is on speed management. So this is to achieve uh, a safe, safe speed through the intersection. And the challenge is that for an intersection, you really need to get down to 50 kilometres an hour on, on the approach. That's not always achievable, but uh, that guide now emphasises that that's the safe speed for that. And where there's pedestrians and cyclists, that'll be down to 30 kilometres an hour based on the, the impact severity of those things. Uh, pedestrian crossings. Uh, there's a there's a whole suite of uh, pedestrian crossings now within within part four, uh, including uh, a new wombat crossing, which is like a zebra crossing, but with a with a raised platform on the road to to aid in the slowing down of the cars and also to make the pedestrians more visible to the to the drivers, and railway crossing design and. I'll go into a bit of detail in this webinar today on, the, on what the railway crossing design will be. And we've also rearranged the guides somewhat, mainly uh, the appendix, uh, some of the stuff that was in the appendix. Uh, as you know, sometimes the, the guides, it is um, not clear as to where the basic information is. We've got the, the main guide and then we've got appendices and then we've got commentary. So we're trying to make all the all the relevant stuff should be within the, the guide itself rather than just the appendices. So I'll go through that a bit later. For uh, part 4A, which is unsignalised and signalised intersections, some of the changes that have been made, including uh, signalised intersections, and again, we're, we're looking at um, controlling the impact speed. So signalise intersections, uh, by signalising an intersection, you reduce the, the likelihood of a, of a crash because people are now controlled by the lights rather than having to make the decision themselves. However, there's still a likelihood of crashes, so, and the severity of those crashes can still be severe. So the emphasis now is to, to say, okay, what, what can we do in those instances to reduce the speed and to reduce impact angle? So there's some emphasis on that in part 4A now. Um, site distance for intersections. There's a, there's a couple of uh, different uh, examples in there that we've changed. One of them is to the pedestrian crossings where there's um, Approach site distance, which was which was always there, but the crossing site distance, which is the site distance needed by a pedestrian to get across the road, that's been that's been fine tuned now within the guide. So there's more detail on that on determining of that site distance. Uh, the other aspect of site distance is the, um, the on a terminating road, the distance to a conflict point, 
there was some conflicting uh, information in in the guide now, so that's been that's been tidy tidied up. Uh, horizontal alignment, and so this is horizontal alignment in respect to intersections. So where the um, the side roads in particular are on a curved alignment, there is some guidance now as to where you can place the curve. I mean, the important thing is to have some some length of straight on on the approach to the intersection. So, and there's some guidance there now on that. Uh, right turn treatments. There's about three different areas where we've we've fine tuned what is there. One of them is is actually for one of the the left turn treatments, where people right turning out of out of a terminating road on a on a turn treatment may be may have their vision obstructed to the right by people turning left into that intersection. So now there's there's an additional uh, variation on that by having an offset left turn. In other words, the left turn is pulled further away from the through lane, so that gives people turning right out of that intersection some chance to, to see around that. Um, the, other, the other right turn treatment is the auxiliary right turn. Now, most uh, road authorities have gone with the idea that auxiliary uh, right turn lanes shouldn't be used. However, there's a couple of states, Northern Territory, Western Australia, where they would still like to use that. So within within the appendices of that of that turn of that guide, there's some guidance on how that can be used and the the checks that you need to do before you introduce that. Uh, the types of intersection and their selection is is in there as as well, and uh, auxiliary lanes. Uh, auxiliary lanes, there was uh, there was some confusing confusion about the taper lengths at the start and end and the merge and diverge lengths, and that's been that's been tightened up. And traffic islands, there was a minor issue. There was some inconsistency about how you offset the the line marking from the traffic island. So that's that's been tidied up as well. So just an example of some of the content that has been changed in that. Uh, with roundabouts, we've, we've given some more direction on signalised roundabouts and how they can be they can be implemented. Uh, introduced mini roundabouts, which are smaller than normal roundabouts, and and again, uh, part 4B, that will be in the third webinar of this series where we talk more in detail about that. Um, also put some more inf information about cyclist treatments, cyclists at roundabout, how do you accommodate them? Do you, do you accommodate them on the, on the roadway or do you put them around the periphery of the roundabout. So there's there's a couple of examples in there as to what treatment could be used. And radial roundabouts in, introduced that concept. I mean, most 
most of the guide previously has been about tangential roundabouts. And the, so this is the approach to the roundabout. And there's a, a case for, particularly in local road areas, where you can use the, the radial roundabout. That is the approach road comes in um, virtually head on to the roundabout rather than rather than to the left of it, as in the case of tangential. Um, there's part, part 4C, and again, this, this will be tackled in the third of these webinars, but there's some um, mainly minor changes to that about ramp cross sections, uh, entry ramps near tunnel sections, uh, two-lane metered entry ramps, uh, exit ramps, and uh, site distance. And also introduce the grade separated intersection, which is uh, halfway to a full interchange. So grade separated intersection is an, interse an intersection on a non-divided road. So like if it's got a two-way road, you can put the Put the minor road connection over the top or maybe under the underneath but there's no no provision for right turning off of that off of the main road uh, and it, it could be a staging uh, between um, uh, an upgrade intersection and developing it to a, a fully fully interchange intersection so there's more information on that one um, Uh, there's some changes to uh, the design vehicles and turning path templates guide. Um, so within the guide, we've got the design vehicle versus the check vehicle. So there's some more information about how you should use the. So the design vehicle is the is the typical vehicle that usually uses the roundabout, but then the check vehicle is this one-off vehicle that you would like to accommodate around the roundabout around the roundabout, for example, and how you would how you would use that in the turning templates. Uh, there's some reference to the performance-based standard scheme. So the, the templates themselves are a prescription. So they, they actually prescribe what the vehicle looks like. Uh, PDS, performance-based, just says, okay, the, uh, that's that's your vehicle. It doesn't actually describe what what the dimensions of the vehicle are. It describes what the vehicle should be able to do as far as turn goes. So we've we've made some attempt to link that and the performance based levels. Tried to link those with the appropriate um, prescription based uh, templates within the guide. Uh, there's some minor changes to the clearance of the sweat paths of turning vehicles, but the clearance when both vehicles are turning together or when uh, vehicles are turning in opposition to each other. There's some clearer definition of what those clearances should be. Uh, software parameters. Previously in the guide, we 
we referenced the, the software packages that could be used to determine templates, but there, there wasn't a great deal of information there. Now that, so those input parameters that you could use in those software packages, such as AutoTurn or VPath, there's just a couple of the software packages available. They stipulate, for example, what the what the lock of the turning vehicle should be. So we've included some guidance now within that guide. And uh, as Malcolm mentioned, we've got a new design vehicle template. We went through and compared all the Austroads um, vehicle there's about 12 different vehicles and compared those with what we've got in the guide. And the only, the missing vehicle was a car towing a trailer. So now that has been included within the guide. So, so this, uh, this section deals with the restructure of the parts 4 and 4A. I guess there's always been some confusion about what's in part 4 or what's in part 4A. We've attempted to make, to rationalise that. Um, most of the restructure is uh, pulling the stuff out of uh, the part 4 appendices and putting it into the main body of the guide. So this table just um, it just indicates uh, what what goes where in the in the the new section of the guide. So, for example, the the basic forms of the intersection and the types of turn treatment and intersection treatment that were in in Appendix A has now been relocated to Part Four, Section Two, and um, so most of that is so there, there's some good um, information within that appendix and it was felt that it, it really needed to be in the main part of the guide because it was uh, essential to your design um, uh, right turn treatments for example have gone into section 7 of part 4a Left turn treatments have gone into section eight. U-turn uh, treatments have gone into a new section in part 4A. So all of that was in in the appendix, but now it's in the part of the guide. And um, the signalised intersection that that was a that was a big part of that appendix, and most of it was essential design information. So that's gone into essentially. Uh, a section within part 4A, section 9, which deals with signalised intersection. Um, and the other one was um, cyclist crossings, that again was in, was in the appendix, but now has been relocated to part 4, section 9. So it's got its own section within there. So uh, just a, a general overview of part four. So part four contains guidance for road designers and that is common to the geometric design of all types of intersections. 
uh, information on the types of intersections, the road design considerations and the design process that you would use to design an intersection. Uh, it includes selection of the design vehicles, the types of road users that you, that you should be allowing for and provision for public transport facilities, for example. And there's some guidance on pedestrian, cyclists and rail crossing. And I'll just touch on rail crossings while we're, while we're here. Um, the following factors can contribute to the crash risk at a, a rail crossing. So the sight distance is an obvious uh, impact on, on crash risk. Um, and how close it is to a signalised intersection and you get the vehicle queuing. Uh, the short stacking, which is uh, closeness to an unsignalised intersection, and I'll show you a slide about what we need about that. Uh, for angled approaches, you know, that affects sight distance, and curved approaches affects available sight distance. And, and the, the perception of the train speed and their ability to see that. So sight distance, the, the forms of control are uh, passive control, uh, by giveaway signs or passive control by stop signs, but there can be also active control, which is flashing lights or barriers, etc. So <clears throat> the, the sight distance needed to start off and clear the crossing is also an important part. So you need sight distance as you're approaching the crossing, but you also need sight distance when you've stopped and then you need to start and clear the line. So the design vehicle for that is typically the longest truck that is permitted on the road that may use the crossing. Um, there is also a, a recommendation that the approaches uh, to a rail crossing should be sealed. So an example there is showing an unsealed crossing that should be should be sealed. So by sealing it. Uh, you improve the uh, deceleration coefficient uh, because it's better on a sealed section of road than an unsealed road. Um, so that reduces the site distance requirements. Uh, it enables uh, pavement markings to be shown. So as you can see in that one there, there's no pavement markings at all. You, you just suck to it. Um, and it also reduces the risk of rubble, for example, being brought onto the line. But I mentioned short stacking. So this is where the rail crossing is close to a, a T-junction on a, on a road. Uh, it is so close that uh, a truck stopped. So the trucks come across the railway line, but it's stopped at the road and it may not have cleared the railway line. So, so, make, so the obvious uh, solution is to realign the road, but that, that would be fairly costly. Uh, you can provide a sh an escape area. So in that photograph there, the left turn has got an escape area. So normally you wouldn't have that left turn slot there. They would just turn out onto the road. But by providing that auxiliary lane, there's somewhere for the, the vehicle to stop. So just to summarise before we take questions, um, we've had a project overview of what we looked at. Malcolm talked about uh, where this project came from and the specialist areas that were involved. 
and we look at the fundamentals of the of the Austroads guides and what their purpose is and how they link to the other the other guides. Then we looked at what we changed in the, all those parts. Uh, looked at the restructure and looked at the up the railway crossing distances. Um, so to access the guide, um, as we said, the guides have just been released this this week. So to access them, you can you can access via via those links there, and also the uh, turning path template as well. So any so we're now handing over to Albert, uh, who's going to moderate the questions. Thank you, No. I'm looking at the questions that I've got from the list. So let me just start with the first question. Um, so let me just scroll up the top. Light 19. How is it proposed that updates to the Design vehicle template be rolled out to industry software modeling applications. Is this the responsibility of the user or software provider? Yeah, thanks, Albert. Yeah, um, good question. Um, I believe, um, yeah, the software, uh, various software providers um, take responsibility of of updating the, the, the vehicle library that they, they do provide. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that will that'll happen in due course. Yeah, so um, I mean, I, I'm going to categorize the questions into groups. I think they've got a few questions which are related to the design vehicles template. There have been uh, another question like okay uh this one here so the truck and dock vehicles which is typical use for earthwork and road constructions was there consideration to add a turning template for this into the turning path template? And uh, are there plans to add bicycle, cargo, cargo bikes, bike plus trailer to the design vehicles template? Another um, one that I picked up is regarding the refuse collection vehicles, front loaders, side loaders, and rear loaders. So in general, can Osroads include more design vehicles into the turning templates guide that we've released? So um, yeah, over to you. Or I mean, I, I'm happy to answer this a bit. Um, the current guide, the one that we've updated just, we have incorporated the most common design vehicles 
and the additional vehicles, I believe they could be considered down the track. But at this stage, we we are we haven't you know we haven't got a list from from the industry to say that yes, please consider them in the future. But I believe this is a good starting point, and then we we are happy to capture that and put that into the future projects. Before that, we will need to go through this uh, to get this discussed with the road design task force group. So that's that's my 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 general answer to that. Malcolm or no, do you have anything to add on to that? Yeah, I think um yeah, really good questions. Um certainly, you know, there's a there's a multi, you know, endless multitude of, of different vehicle configurations and, and user types that um could get incorporated into that. Um, yeah, with with cyclists, um, we during the the literature review, we did we did see um, some cyclist turn paths that were in, sort of in development. So uh, I'm sure that um, you know some of these um, other vehicles will make their way into um, the design vehicle guide um, as part of future works yeah, as as those those um, you know, those bits of guidance develop. Okay, cool. Uh, slide 16. Which research reports were included in the literature review? Yeah, good question, good question. Um, so they were all um, recent uh, Australian research reports. Um, uh, I won't list them here, but uh, up, on, up on the slide here, we've got a link to um, Project report APR 687-23. Um, so that's the project uh, report which summarizes everything that we, we undertook in this project. Um, so if you ref, uh, visit um, section uh, 1.2.3, uh, you'll find a list of those reports that we uh, reviewed um, as part of this project. And, and yeah, just get, get an idea of um, where the updates have come from, um, and if you want to, to find out a bit more about the research of um, any of the aspects that we've updated. Thank you. Um, pedestrian crossing, what are the triggers in selecting the type of pedestrian crossing? Yeah. Um, Yes, whether you whether you use a uh, um, a, a wombat or a um, or a school crossing, like the school crossing is is obvious. Although there's still a there's still a number of uh, options you, you can use. You can use the either the the emu crossing or the or the wombat crossing or or indeed a signalised crossing. It would depend. It, it would depend on the number of the number of pedestrians that are using it, uh, the the volume of the road. It would be a risk assessment, basically uh, looking looking at that. Um, and you, you would also look at uh, pedestrian desire lines as well. So there's a number there's a number of factors that you need to consider. All of those you need to consider before you. Choose the the crossing type. 
that you would use. Um, the MI states of that um, uh, might be worthwhile also referencing the guide to traffic management um, or the selection of the crossing um, itself um, and also the relevant jurisdiction. Um, I guess uh, there may be certain warrants that each jurisdiction may have in terms of um, what type of crossing should be um, implemented. So um, it might be you know, a certain number of pedestrians expected to cross the road here and, and certain uh, number of, of vehicles that are using this section of road um, and that, that might form the basis of what treatment type we might be looking at. Yep. Is there any new guidance or existing guidance for design of combined crossings for pedestrians and cyclists? Time posting is consistent between states. This New South Wales active transport community of practice meeting, which is monthly meeting of active transport practitioners councils across New South Wales, facilitated by Transport for New South Wales. So, uh, is there any new guidance or existing guidance for design of combined crossings for pedestrian and cyclists? Um, yeah, it wasn't didn't really pop up in the um, during the literature review. No, there, I I think there is some guidance in part six uh, A, which is uh, pedestrian and cyclist paths. There is some guidance as to uh, combined crossings within there, I believe. But yeah. I'll check that. I'll check that out. Yep. Uh, any updates on roadside clear zones? Mm -hmm. uh, no, that was yeah, out of scope of this project. But um, understand that there's been um, uh, a few projects recently for um, part six and a new, a new um, risk risk based methodology. Um, that's uh, now included in the guide as it, as it sort of moves away from the zone, but yeah, out of, out of script of the project that we undertook. Um, so, uh, with the restructure of the guides, how has context sensitive design been addressed? Is that considered the work? Yeah, I think I can, I can answer that. Yeah, uh, context-sensitive design has been a guiding principle now, and um, the, the Australia's guides have always been regarded as more or less a standard, and we're, tr we're trying to make the emphasis now to say that, um, okay, they, these are guides, um, they're, they're not meant to be prescriptive and uh, there has been more emphasis placed on the context-sensitive design. So in other words, designing to fit the, the particular location that you're, you're considering. So not, not one size fits all. So there's uh, continual guidance in the guides on that. Um, I think, uh, yeah, in webinar two, three and four, or probably um, yeah, definitely demonstrated a bit more on 
on how, how context-sensitive design has been incorporated um, when we look at the specific um, treatments and, and uh, guidance that we updated and the inclusions we've made. Um, I'll give you just a quick example of one that'll um, be explained in webinar two, which is um, acceleration lanes for trucks. Um, and they're often, you know, the lengths specified in the guide uh, for that are, are very, very long um, and can often not be met due to constraints. So, um, you know, we've provided some additional guidance on um, how to tackle those problems. So, yeah, I think if you tune into the, the other three web webinars, you'll uh, get a bit, bit, bit of a better understanding on that. Yeah, thank you. Will the turning treatment warrants, particularly for left turns AUL in this case, be reviewed as part of this process? No, so the warrants for turning treatment sit um, yeah, within the guide to traffic management, so part six of that, that guide, um, and they, they won't review as part of this project. Um, there has been additional guidance provided on on um, with the different turning treatments, um, and they'll be uh, yeah, discussed in um, webinar two. Um, but just off the top of my head, there's a there's a uh, you know guidance on offset um, turnalized left turn lanes. Um, there's been inclusion of um, um, the auxiliary right turn lane um, has been reused um, and um, S lane treatment. Um, yeah, just off the top of my head, a few, few of those will be discussed in the next webinar. Questions regarding raised safety platform. Is it considered similar to Victoria and New Zealand examples in the update? Yeah, so a lot of the information that we've um, included for raised race safety platforms uh, have been drawn from um, yeah, uh, the Victorian um, design right? So that's, that's been a um, uh, yeah, major source of guidance in Austroads. Um, I believe there was some of, uh, some of the information also sat in part seven um, as um, new and emerging information for that treatment. Yeah, so yeah, correct sources. Yeah. Uh, wombat crossings are considered in the updated in the update. Does this include the recommended signage to be used at wombat crossings? Yeah, so um, yeah, we'll go through it uh, in the next webinar and I'll run through that one. Um, there's a, a new figure for Wombat Crossings, which um, provides an example layout, and I believe it's come from the Australian Skin. It does provide interventions and um, signage as well, but yeah, we'll cover off on that um, in the next webinar. Yeah. So the Wombat Crossing includes a crossing of a of a left left hand slip lane. So obviously that, that signing is different than if it's a crossing of crossing lane road. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um but yeah if you can't wait till the next webinar. Um yeah if you 
have a look at um, the updated guide part. Um, Any consideration for e-scooters? Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing, nothing sort of specific. No, off the top of my head, no specific um, updates that we made um, yeah, for e-scooters. Um, off the top of my head, but um, yeah, we might we might just have another look over that question and then respond um, in the, in the to the Q&A before the one that's published. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, shared pop comments. Wow. Um, there's a question regarding APR68. 723 available yet. I could not find it on Austro's website. So I believe that is the project report. Report, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, we'll um yeah, we'll follow that up. Um, and yeah, touch base um with that. But yeah, it certainly is that so some reports are internal, but that one uh, relates to the updates to the guide, so it certainly will be published. Will there be any further guidance on spirals in runabout in 4B? Um, the top of my head, um, yeah, that there wasn't any updates um, on that. Uh, there's uh, questions regarding will the pedestrian crossing design guidelines be suitable for use in New Zealand? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, there will be. Uh, there's an example there of, uh, so in Australia we call them um, and this will be addressed in the next webinar. But in Australia, at a school crossing, they're called Emu Crossing. Uh, in New Zealand, they're called Kia Crossings, uh, similar to that. So both of those have been included, for example. So yes, an attempt has been made to include all of that information. Yep. Um, there's one regarding in a local road without line marking, how do we control the aspects of design and check vehicle? Yeah, um, yeah, good question. Um, so, as part of the uh, update to the design vehicles and uh, turning templates guide, um, we've consolidated all of the um, guidance on how to apply turning templates. Um, some of it did even part four. Um, so there were there were um, you know, aspects like uh, clearances to pitch lines or curves or center lines and things like that. Um, and the existing guidance talked about um, you know, typically a 0.5 meter offset from the design vehicle. Um, and it also did, uh, did talk about um, where you're in a constrained situation, um, particularly uh, on a local road, 
um, you might um, not provide that uh, five uh, envelope around the vehicle. So yeah, that's in a local road context. Um, so I guess where you don't have line marking on the local road, um, there's there's differences in, in the legalities of vehicles, you know, making turning movements and crossing um, the centre lines and things like that. Um, but yeah, I guess obviously coming back to um, you know making some engineering judgment on on the safety of those movements and you know we would expect um, vehicles to be storing where a vehicle might be um, undertaking a, a turning movement. So um, yeah, there's still things to consider there. Yep, thank you. Um, there are lots of questions still, but um, we'll be able to answer them and then send that back to the questions. For those who ask the questions, and um, I'm going to hand this back to you, Ekaterina. Thank you. Thank you very much, um, Malcolm, Albert, and Noel. Um, thanks everybody for being with us today. I want to reiterate that all of the guides and the research report are published um, and they are on our website. Uh, for the guides and the report, um, you can use these QR codes or the URLs provided. And I just have a couple of slides left to finish up. Um, as you can see, we have uh, a number of sessions coming up, including the three more sessions in this series. So please visit our website and register if you haven't already. Um, when we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. It really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about the session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Um, once again, today's session is being recorded and we will send you the link um, to the recording when it's published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.